foot paste and delay creates. So you gotta respect the numbers, but you can't always just be like obsessed by the numbers. I guess if you're Eddie Kotobi and you're trying to break, you know, two hours for the, the marathon, then that's different. He's got a different perspective. But for me, I'm not trying to go out there and win races. I want to look back at my running and be like, did I give the marathon my absolute best? I want to like look back and be like, I left nothing on the table. And you know, whatever result comes about, you know, is, is what happens. Obviously I've got my targets and if I get it, fantastic. If I break it, fantastic. If I, but if I don't, but I know that I've done my best, I can't be mad about it. Can't be mad. That's a Runner's Life podcast host, Marathon Marcus. If you want to learn how to run your best marathon, then you should listen to this episode of D-Lake Creates. Let's go. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Aaron So, AKA D-Lake. Tips and tactics, you could train like a pro. This cast to help you run faster than you could go. All the PRs you could beat, of course, records that comes in your upcoming season. Right. Don't you agree? Endurance sports, a metaphor for life. That's that metaphor, baby. Eating clean so you can rest and sleep all night. Don't master a lot. Don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none. Just be, just be a master of some. What is up? I'm Darren, your host of Delay Creates Running for Masters of Some. The internet's most exciting endurance sports podcast. Through self-improvement, we help serious endurance athletes master some of their health, some of their fitness, and even some of their life because it's all the same. And in being your host, you can trust me because I'm a lifelong endurance athlete that's ran a sub three hour marathon, completed an Ironman triathlon in 10 hours, and currently trying to break 16 minutes in the 5K. So I'd say I know some things about some of the stuff that we talk about. Quick warning, we use some adult language and cuss a bit. Be mindful who is around when you listen. I had a very chill and deep conversation with the Runner's Life podcast host, Marathon Marcus. Ironically enough, his podcasting skills enabled him to poke some holes at some of my questions and assumptions. I love this and personally learned a lot. Speaking of learning, what you learn on this episode, you learn about embracing the variables that happen in a race and view them more as a better experience, why time goals shouldn't be everything, a deep explanation of his rented fitness analogy, how his podcast dispels the myth of what a runner's life truly is, why viewing wherever you are as a potential spectrum, and a whole lot more. So where did the name Marathon Marcus come from? There's no coincidence with obviously the, the Marcus and the M&Ms type things, but uh, it's just more the, the distance itself is intriguing to me because I think you get to a point of, say, 20 miles and you're kind of in a different place. You know, you're not in a place that you've been able to train, but you never really go into the 426.2 in your training. So it's always a little bit of unknown and just sort of seeing what you're made of. A bit more on Marathon Marcus. He's an Abbott World Marathon Majors six-star finisher that's doing London, Tokyo, Berlin, Chicago, Boston, and New York marathons. He's taken off over 40% on his first marathon time of four hours, 55 minutes, down to two hours and 56 minutes. On his running podcast, he's interviewed some big names like Seth James Damore, Kelly on the Run, Ben Parks, Joe Gray, Charlie Dark, and that's just to name a few. And when Marcus isn't running, he's a father of two kids. His time management must be amazing. Enough babbling, let's jump right into the middle of our conversation where I'm talking about how a marathon is exponentially harder to train and compete for than a half marathon. Warm up complete. The marathon is a race that so many people have just cannot get right. And, um, you know, the half marathon is way easier. You can do the whole thing in training. I haven't cracked the marathon. I, I did a 259.57 or something. I was just like, 
I'm going to run a three sub three hour marathon. Like, cause I kept doing four, you know, I did four hours, like 20 minutes when I did an Ironman, I did four hours, five minutes when I tried to run it. And then I haven't properly, you know, don't disrespect to, you know, any marathon, especially you. Um, I hadn't properly tried to run for a marathon and I had been training for a half marathon and I was like, I think this fitness could spill over to a marathon. So wrong. So wrong. <laughs> and I hit the 32K mark and everything broke. And I somehow was able to maintain the 416 per K pace to do the 259. But that was, that, that was a pain cave. So I, yeah, totally with you. And I, I respect on that. It's really interesting you say about the marathon is something we try to get right. And I think that's actually something I've had to let go of mm. because I don't think you ever get it right. I think you go into it knowing that at some point it's going to be like how much you really want it. I mean, there's no, there's no, I've not had a perfect race. You know, even if you feel like you maybe have, like you get to the end and you feel like, oh, I could have gone further. Then there's always that little thing in your head going, oh, maybe I should have pushed more. But sometimes you push too much and you blow up or something happens with the weather or something happens externally and then you have to kind of manage it. There's always these, these things, you know, it's almost like the perfect thing is actually what I'm almost searching out a bit more as I kind of get more into it. At the beginning, I hated it because you're just like, you just don't want the unpredictability. But I think the more I've sort of, being able to kind of embrace the unpredictability of it, the better the experience has become. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm obsessed with numbers and constantly leveling up and all that. And it's like, yeah, I guess you can get on a track on a perfect day and you can race in some sort of a, 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 a laboratory. And then, you know, you, you just show up that day. You don't have to worry about rain. You don't have to worry about anything else and um, wind and snow or whatever. Yeah, the whole running the best. I like that frame. That's really that's really good. I'm glad I, I'm glad I picked that around uh, around the the focus of this episode because I saw that in your bio and I realized like that's such a good you know trying to run your best marathon. Not trying to run a a two thirty one. Not trying to run you know like it, it's just you're trying to run your best marathon and that's a very open open ended way to to think about it. I'm a big big fan. I will give some clarity to that as well um, about what, how I see that, but also just not to get stuck with numbers. Like when I did my sub three race, I think there was a field of about 450 runners and I still finished 150 something and I finished like 256. So that sort of goes to show like how competitive it was mm. because obviously everyone starved the races. So you get all the, the top runners out there. So on one hand, you can, if you've, that can sort of, if you're focused on numbers and wanting to win that race, like there's no way I was going to win that race because we had some really sort of top people there at the time. So, but then going back to that sort of thing about running your best race, I mean, like, I don't want it to seem like wishy-washy in a sense of like, I don't have any focus and I'm just kind of ambling about. That's not the truth. I still have my time targets, but what I've noticed is if you have, if your time targets become your everything, then you become almost trapped in it like if you're trying to run sub three and you run you got to run sub 650 uh 650 minute miles um then you know that's all you're thinking about you know you mean you're sort of putting a handbrake on you for even potentially going faster but then if you can't reach it then it's almost gonna you know ruin your running experience so sometimes it's just you kind of have to step back and just let things happen as they as they go and what i found with running as well that just because you think you're going to get something doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get it. it doesn't mean what you're doing is wrong sometimes it just takes a bit longer and that's okay and sometimes you just have to sort of separate that and kind of get out of your own way because you can end up just putting a handbrake on where you're going to go because you can be in like training for a couple of years and you feel things aren't really sort of progressing and then 
third, fourth year, you know, you you shoot up. But it's those first two, three years where it feels like nothing's happening that you kind of have to kind of be respectful of the process. So you've got to respect the numbers, but you can't always just be like obsessed by the numbers. But then that's probably different. I guess if you're Eddie Kotrobe and you're trying to break, you know, two hours for the, the marathon, then that's different. He's got a different perspective. But for me, I'm not trying to go out and then win races. I'm just trying to, I want to look back at my running and be like, did I give the marathon my absolute best? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I want to like look back and be like, I left nothing on the table. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I can, that's what I want it to know. And you know, whatever result sort of comes about, you know, is, is what happens. Obviously I've got my targets and if I get it, fantastic. If I break it, fantastic. If I, but if I don't, but I know that I've done my best, do you know what I mean? I can't really, I can't be mad about it. Explain your rented fitness analogy. I really like that. And I ended up jumping, like I said, I, Ended, I didn't change it. I ended up kind of using it and making my own analogy. But I'd love for you to explain this. Because you, you said rented fitness, and I'll, I'll actually set this up and I'll read it, the Instagram post. But yeah, feel, feel free to explain it any further if, if you have more. Because you said it in the podcast with Joe, Joe, the, the latest guy. Joe Gray. Joe Gray, yeah. Yeah, Joe Gray. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, you, you said it again, and I was like, all right, I got to hear more about this rented fitness. Cool. I'll, I'll give my explanation. But I also want to hear what your sort of interpretation is as well and how you kind of uh, moved it forward as well. Because I think, you know, we're all kind of learning from each other. So it'd be interesting to sort of hear your thoughts. But the way that I sort of see it is that because I'm sort of, not sort of, I've recently had a slight niggle where it's put my training back and I've had to step back and really assess where I am in my running. And I was progressing it before and I was really kicking on. And then you come back to the stage now where I can't run the paces that I, I want to run because just of the, the niggle I've got the injury I'm working through you know so that person that I was running you know seven months ago that's a different person at the time we you know you if you're not injured for a long period of time you can always get really arrogant and cocky and just think you know this is me you know this is expected I'm just gonna go and smash these paces or if you don't hit a pace you're just too upset about you know a second missed here or a second missed there and you just go into this with this expectancy that it's something you have, you control. And, you know, getting injured, you sort of realise actually you don't own anything, you know. It's it's something you have for a moment. And sometimes we don't really appreciate how great that gift is when we're in it. But we definitely appreciate when we don't have it. And not having it at this stage. More so because I'm sort of working my way back into injury. I probably could run those paces, but then I don't want to sort of put myself back if that makes sense yeah. so I have to really respect where I am and I think it's just a ball about just respecting the process and where you are and just knowing that each run each day you know you've got to be grateful for and just don't take it for granted I mean and like even silly things like I remember before you know it'd be running and it's windy or you, you know you see people on social media complaining about certain things you're just like man like you're healthy you've got two legs, you can run, you know what I mean? You've got two legs, two arms, you've got the sound mind to go out and run. Enjoy it. Why are you focusing on if it's windy or not? Like, you can't control that. You Don't focus on that one specific run. Think about, you know, how your runs have gone over that month, how they've gone over the week, and then you can sort of compare it. So I think it's really about gratitude and just really appreciating where you are so i hope that kind of makes sense i just found the instagram post um it was almost like a poem the way you read it you read it but that explanation i love it because it, it's it's exactly what you said gratitude and it also 
goes, it's just like all this stuff is temporary. And I, I think about, you know, I see someone that can't run for whatever genetic reason or, you know, they let themselves go and they actually can't run or they're just very extremely old. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I won't be able to run, you know, for the rest of my life. Or, you know, I, I'll, if, I, if I run till I die, then I'm going to be dead and I can't run. So it's, I, I like the temporary approach to it. Let me know what your thoughts are, Nick, as well, because you said you put a spin on it as well. So I said, I, I wrote this and I got this idea of how I'm going to do it. I haven't put it all together, but it's going to kind of be this really short podcast type thing. And it's like these deep, deep thoughts with Darren. So I was like, Marathon Marcus said something clever and dope. He said, fitness is rented. We just work a nine to five to pay for where we live. I like that. Let me build on that. The landlord is a race. Train. So I went really metaphor on this. The landlord is a race. Training is money and the bank is health, right? When you go train yeah. or race hard, you owe money. Pay up. Or you can reinvest that money, your training, back into yourself and do longer runs to build your fitness in a smart way. Frame your training as health and fitness transactions. Want to make a deposit or withdrawal at your bank today. So that's, that's kind of how I, w- I went with it. I went more with how you were talking about the landlord and all that. I like, I like your angle, though. Yeah, but I, I, was, I was putting that to make it a little bit more entertaining to read because sometimes it can be a bit deep and meaningful and a bit preachy on Instagram. So, like, yeah, for example, like when you're running, you want to make sure you put that credit into that account. I mean, a lot of people are like on credit that they owe. Do you know what I mean? So you just kind Ooh. of like, you know, and then you're just like, and then you're like, oh, I'm struggling. Like, well, you know, you would you would earn that money to pay for that fitness. So, you know, that's where the landlord comes and goes, where's my money? <laughs> you're crying because <laughs> you haven't done something. So, yeah. 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 I always, I always tell people um, running injuries are like credit card debt. You know, most running injuries are chronic. It's not like you just step on something. and break, You know, it's not like football or basketball where you break your leg um, yeah. or you break your wrist. Like acute. It's chronic. It's something that's been there. You knew it was there. You ignored it. And you just kept running through it for, you know, weeks or months on end. And then it's like, pop. And you're like, oh, boo-hoo-hoo. And it's like, no, that's credit card debt. You don't know until you look at your bank statement. You know, you've been spending, spending, spending. And then you're like, oh, my God, how did I spend all that money? You know, like, and me as a young person, I, I realized that. So you have to really be on top of things. So that's, that's another way I could win. But we can go all these different <laughs> fun ways with it. That's true, though. Like, for me, like, the, one of the reasons why I got injured was, was because I slacked off my strength and conditioning I kind of got a bit arrogant thinking I'm getting faster I'm getting whatever and I started slacking off like oh you know whatever and you start making excuses and now I can see it in my diary and I look back at it so I know I know where I went wrong so um you know you learn from those experiences and when you you think oh I don't really want to do my strength and conditioning just do it because you know all those little things do help make you stronger it all counts how's your podcast going Marcus yeah so for me it's Add break. This episode was brought to you by me, D-Lake Coaching. We show you as you get older how to perform better in health, fitness, wellness, endurance sports, and life. We're all getting older, so rather than being like most humans on the earth and declining, why not be better, stronger, smarter, faster, and more wise than the 10 years ago version of yourself? Our NLP trained coaching experience will help you live your best life through habits and intentional decision making. Go to delatecreates.com slash coach or email us talk at delatecreates.com, spell the normal way, to book a free consultation call today. And back to the show. Um, how's your podcast going, Marcus? Yeah, so for me, it's really a way to connect with people especially during lockdown 
and to learn from other runners and really sort of you know dispel the myth of what a runner is i mean some people think you know they're not a proper runner or other people think they're more of a runner than they are but it's ridiculous and when i speak to people and i go well, my opening question is like what does a runner's life mean to you you know the answers i mean if you if you just took out if you didn't know who the person was for example and you heard all the answers together you'd think there's so many similarities from elites to non-elites you know people enjoy running you know it it awakens a part of who they are it allows them to be themselves it's a sense of adventure there's so many things so many benefits to running and you know for me it's you can look at something in one direction for example then someone else comes along and goes shows you know looks at the same thing but at two degrees difference and you know you learn something completely new so for me it's learning these different things and i'm always learning you know and that's that's the the fascinating thing like for example i was speaking to joe gray and i said to him about potential so me going into the question I was like oh potential must be you know fixing because you're an elite athlete blah 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 and he just broke it down I was like well actually no potential is basically being at the upper spectrum of that level of where you are do you know what I mean whether that's you know age or whether in the race or in the day or whatever and then I said well actually you know I can actually apply that to where I am with my my injury at the time you know sometimes you want to be at the upper spectrum of where you are on that day so these kind of lessons, I know it's not even when I say it and now, people are like, well, oh, that's not that groundbreaking, but sometimes you need to hear something from other people to kind of shift you away from your your limited thinking, which is quite cool. How does it make you feel when you interview people like Seth, was it Ben Parks, some of these big elite runners, Joe, Joe Gray? And is, is there, yeah, is there a, a feeling that's attached to, to interviewing them or you just sit down and just do it? It's a good question. So when I started out you are quite nervous because you know you're speaking to these people and you're thinking am I qualified to speak to them about x y and z and I remember I had one interview with a quite a high profile person and I was so nervous and I remember <laughs> I was asking the questions and I, and I and I remember like messing up the, one of the questions and then you have to re-ask the question again and then I remember at the end of the interview this person basically gave me a critique of like what I did <laughs> and it was really good it was good feedback but sometimes it could be really harsh sometimes you, you're like oh my gosh this is really hard to take but the feedback was really useful and afterwards I, I could edit it the bits out so when you actually listen to the interview it wasn't that bad because I could edit those, some of those bits out or redo them again but when I when I came away from that interview I was just like what am I actually fearing like this person is just a person you know they're not any better than me they're not any worse than me and if I get something wrong, you get it wrong. You make a lot, you make a joke about it, you move on. You know, no one, like I said, like at the end of that interview, no one died. <laughs> I survived, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and um, I just try to think like these people are just regular people. They've got their own challenges. They're raising kids, they're raising families, they're trying to make some money, they're, they're tired, do you know what I mean? Like whatever. They're just, everyone's just a regular person. So I'm just trying to focus on that rather than trying to like, I kind of get out of my own way if that makes sense. I'm just more fascinated about them. I like how you said, <laughs> no one died. I always say, um, anytime that someone works with me, I always say, All right, as, as long as you don't lose a million dollars and kill anyone, just it's okay to mess up. Like, it's okay. I promise. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. we're, we're going to be all right. What was the driving reason for starting the podcast? I wish I could give you a really deep and meaningful answer to that. But <laughs> simply it was, I 
you know, listened to some other podcasts and I was thinking, wow, there's not really a lot of people of colour in this space doing it. So why can't it be me? And I thought, you know, I really love talking to people about running. And even though we talk about running, it's actually a lot of stuff is about life as well. So I'm asking bigger questions. And it's just an opportunity to speak to people that you may not have spoken to and learn from. So it was just more of a fact of like, why not me? And how can I, you know, learn from other people? And and also not just learn from other people, but learn about myself. You know, when you listen to yourself, especially speaking back, you hate the sound of your voice, but then you get better at it. You know, you listen to the kind of things that you say, your filler words, the way that you speak to people. And it's really good lesson as well, because, you know, the thing with podcasting is you you haven't got the facial reaction you can't sort of see anything so there's a lot of signals that you're you haven't got to hand so you, you really have to really hone in your listening skills and just be really mindful of just you know that person you might be speaking to they might have had an argument with their partner or they might have had a bad training run so if they're kind of a bit off like it's not down to you and I think okay wh what can I do to try and you know engage with them not in a cynical way but just to try and have a good conversation that it's not just like a typical q a type thing i know that's kind of going a little bit off center from what you said but essentially to answer your question it was just more about i didn't feel that there's anyone in the space doing it not to be it had to be a black 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 type thing but just you know a per person of color in a space just like a normal just having normal conversations that people would thought okay cool that's just marcus talking to whatever do you know what I mean and then it'll become a normal part of conversation and also then the second part of it is because I'm just really curious about people and just the lessons that they've learned from running and I, I know you spoke about Charlie Dark as well and that's such a really fascinating interview because there's so many takeaways from him and his experience and when he just recently turned 50 and you know you speak to these people that you respect so highly and you know it's just amazing to that they it's like an almost like an hour of like mentoring almost i feel but yeah so tell me more you know we're, we're on race let's talk about black trail runners uh you founded that group correct is that how i yes yeah, so i'm one of the the co-founders and we came together last year but i think it just made us feel that these things were important and we really wanted to kind of use our pain and that kind of those feelings in a positive way and sometimes when you look at you know black people in spaces for example growing up you don't see many black people skiing or camping or rock climbing in advertising and if you grow up thinking you know just white people doing it you haven't got that frame of reference whereas that's why it's sometimes hard for white people to understand because it's like well they've got frame of references across so many levels that for them it's just like well you just you just do it but if you don't have that frame of reference, sometimes that can be a barrier in itself. Not everyone's got that get up and go to, to do something. If you've not you know, seen it, you've not got support from your family, your family haven't done it, it's quite hard to just be, I'm just going to do this off the back with no kind of support. So, you know, not everyone can be that sort of maverick, unfortunately. So, and I've kind of gone off topic, but essentially a group of us came together. We thought, how can we kind of amplify you know, black people in, you know, outdoor spaces. And there's a statistic in the UK that, you know, there's a very low, very, very low sort of rating of just the amount of like black people and people of colour that go to UK national parks. So we kind of picked up on that. And then we looked at the races, you know, in terms of like ultra races. 
and looking at the statistics of people that went to these and took part and a lot of the races didn't actually have the data to hand so we put an open letter out saying can you provide us information and that's really been a really good thing because you know we've actually changed some of that conversation and we're now getting that data and we're actually seeing actually how little that that is and we're not trying to say that you know next year we want it to be 50 percent because that's going to be impossible in a, in a country like the uk where the you know it, it's just not it's not impossible but we'd like to see those numbers rising we'd like to see people of color feel like that's a place for them that they can you know whether it's a trail run or be in a national park or whatever just be outside of urban areas because it almost feels like that's not a place for them so Lockdown's been quite challenging because obviously we've not been able to go and do as much as we'd like to do, but we're in the process of doing such, some cool things like we set up a charity, we set up a UK run club, you know, we're trying to just amplify the space for people to feel comfortable. And don't get me wrong, just because it says black trailers doesn't mean that if you're white, that it's not a space for you. You know, everyone's got a role in this conversation. We need our white allies as much as we need, you know, our black allies, our brown allies, everyone's got a role to play in it. And people think, oh, well, what do I, what can I do? And I think sometimes people look at it and think, oh, it's got to be some massive gesture, but it doesn't have to be a massive gesture. It could be, if you're in a running club, you can think, okay, does my club allow people that don't look like me to be a member of my club? Do you know what I mean? What barriers are there? You know, can I help someone do something? It doesn't have to be a massive thing. You just never know, like, that small thing that you, you did for that person could basically be the catalyst for them to kind of, love the sport or go forward or find a resource to kind of progress so we've all got a role to play in just diversity and just being a good humans to each other last question it's the, the the question i always ask everyone so you're you're a master of some because you you do a lot of different things and you're curious about multiple most things you wear a lot of hats uh, you know i just found out you have the Black Trail Runners group that you co-founded. Um, you obviously have Runner's Life. You have your thing, your, your parent, you, all these different things. Um, on your way to running your best marathon, what is one and only one thing you need, you, you would need to do? So if you had to pick just one thing, I'm really big about just filtering all the other stuff out. Um, I know it's, it's 20 different things. It's 30 different things. But if you had to pick one thing that's the one that would move you get the most return on investment. Um, it's kind of like a challenge for people that like to do a lot of things. Like I, I always have my hand in a lot of different things. So what is one thing you think in any aspect of your life, whether it's training or, or work or your podcast, what is one thing you think could really push, push the needle for you to, to help you run your best marathon? It's a great question. So it's almost like what is a secret? And for me, there is no secret. And I could give you the kind of standard rubbish answers like you know you need to be consistent and that kind of stuff but something I've learned in life is that when you become certain and fixed in a position then life just comes and shows you why that actually it might be a position of weakness so there isn't really one thing and you just have to kind of go in your journey and kind of embrace it for, for what it is next section the five, five furious fast and furious fantasy i'll be up in the gym just working on my fitness facts. facts five fast and furious fitness facts that's five f's too i really like that uh aka get to know your local corner store master of some 
because you know we're just hanging out at the corner store and you're like i want to know more about you this is what this this podcast uh segment is for tell me one sentence that sums up your first run i totally stole that question from you i love that question my first run for 10k was just like what the hell am i doing <laughs> that's good back in the days when i was young i'm not here anymore what's one thing you would tell your 20 year old self to stop doing as soon as possible so if you could go back and sorry i don't know how old you are i feel like you're either between 28 and 38 so i'm gonna preface it with with that um so just say you're 20 you know 18 year old self just half 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 life ago whenever whatever that was i'd say just don't fixate too much on the end result or things being perfect or trying to achieve things just embrace actually failing because i think at that age you're so scared to fail just goes you want to do you know you want to break ground but you're just too scared to sort of fail just be comfortable in the actual activity of experimenting All right, what does being a black endurance athlete mean in the context of Black Lives Matter and, you know, just BIPOC athletes being visible? So what, what is, I know you talk a lot about being a black endurance athlete. So what, is it, what does it mean to you? That's such a deep question. And I think it's, my experience as a black person is going to be different to your experience as a black person and different to someone else's listening. So it's really hard to kind of quantify what that answer would be. And also, if you're an elite athlete, for example, I've spoken to people where, especially like Joe Gray conversation, where he gave an example of he had an opportunity, but he had an equally talented friend who didn't get some of the same opportunities and how that impacted his career. So there's so many variables and experiences of you know being a black person in the space and existing. So... I think it really depends on that person. And like I said, my experiences are going to be completely different to other people's. Like, for example, I've done like the six one marathon majors, for example. But I, when I did that, I didn't really see many people that looked like me doing it on reflection. I made some great friends, but I was probably one of the only, I think I was the only black guy there actually when I, when I think about it, when I did it and I, the friends I made. So, you know, it's generally... <laughs> you're kind of the other, you're kind of one of the only, but then that's kind of like the black experience generally, isn't it? Yeah. All right, music or no music during your runs? Either. I know I'm going to offend some old school runners, but sometimes I like listening to music. So like, uh, you know, chill out music. Obviously, do not put DMX on if you're trying to do like an easy pace run. (laughs) (laughs) Things will not go well. So it just depends on the mood. I think you've got to learn to listen to your body and kind of think what's what's happening because you need that in a race. Because if you're in a race and you've not had time to think about all these these thoughts, then it's a a new experience. So I think there's a time and place for both. I'm I'm the same. I actually listen to mainly drum and bass when I run. I know drum and bass is big in in UK. I actually have different types of drum and bass that I listen to. So when I want to go fast and hard, it's usually, you know, more aggressive, dark step, uh, old school diesel boy type stuff, um, jump up. And then if I'm chilling out, I listen to like liquid funk, but it's all the same BPM. So, um, or it's similar BPMs at least, you know, and and I can keep my cadence. So it's for me to actually just keep my cadence up um, at certain paces. So yeah, with the vibe, I'm totally, totally on that. 
What's the one biggest race day failure that turned into a blessing? I don't like the word failure, man. It's kind of like what I, was, what I sort of go back to my 20-year-old self and just say, like, there is no failure. It's just learning experiences. Looking back, it's easier to say that now from the time that I've done it. But I remember when I ran London first time and I ran 4.55. And, mate, that was a catalogue of areas, that race. I ran too fast, too soon. I was dodging and weaving in the crowds. And I just blew up spectacularly. I didn't really understand about f fueling as well. So I went through the whole race without any kind of gels or anything like that. And I just hit the wall hard, man. And I remember in the late, probably 20s, or probably, I remember seeing my wife and just feeling so pathetic and just so sorry for myself. I just like, what have I done? Like, I just, I want to quit this. This is too hard. And she gave me a good talking to. And, you know, she's like, you're going to finish this race. You started it, so you're going to finish it. So... I finished that race in, a, in like a pity party for one, just like, oh man. And it was just such a, it was so tough. I mean, just getting to the end. But at the time, and even afterwards, it felt like a failure. Just like, it felt like I was, I just wasn't strong enough. Like I just couldn't, I didn't have what all these other people had. And I remember what made it worse. I remember seeing, because with London Marathon, like people wear like fancy dress. I mean, one guy was like, had like a small fridge in his back, refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> and he passed me, I was like, even he's passing me. I was like, man, this is ridiculous. Uh, so like, do you know, so when you get a kick in, it's like, that was the next kick in I just didn't need. But like now looking back at it, like that experience, those experiences help make me the runner that I am today and you know I'm grateful for those experiences but you can only really get that when you look back yeah a great story great story um I appreciate I love stories uh I I, I could feel your your anguish and and because I've been there at the end where you're like why am I doing this you know and you had that in the you know, towards the end of the race middle of the race with your with your partner and um yeah well I'm glad you pushed through and I'm, I'm glad you you, you dropped two hours on your marathon time, which is just absolutely crazy. Well, thank you for that. And uh, is there anything else you want to say to to the listeners, to the world? Um, where, where can people reach you? Anything? People can get in touch with me on Instagram at TheMarathonMarcus, all one word. Or they could check me out on my podcast, which is called A Runner's Life. Or look at my website, which is called MarathonMarcus.com. So yeah, those are probably the main ways to get through to me. Great. Appreciate your time, Marcus. You have a phenomenal rest of your evening and all the best in your training to run your best marathon. You too, my friend. Thank you. And as always, if you want to perform better as you age, don't master a lot, don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none, just be a master of some. Break. Is the health and fitness internet too much sometimes? Too many conflicting articles and videos that confuse you on how to train and eat right? Or you don't have time to just read and watch everything about, I don't know, the new trends on carb cycling for trail running? Don't worry, we'll take care of all that for you. Sign up for our free email newsletter, Three Thing Thursday. We'll put three perfectly curated and created things in your inbox for better living and training. Go to delaycreates.com slash TTT. We do the hard, time-consuming work and scour the health and fitness internet's deepest and darkest corners. This is so that every Thursday, you have a piping hot new email with the latest and coolest tips, tricks, tools, tactics, and skills. All so that you can train and live consistently to do dope shit in your next endurance event 
you sign up now, you can receive my quick guide on how to get healthy, stay fit, and use data to create habits that last a lifetime. That's delatecreates.com slash TTT to be inspired and motivated on the regular. Time. Time is a resource no one can make more of, so we appreciate you taking precious time out of your day to listen this far. Our goal is to show the world how to live better through running, cycling, and triathlon. The episode and many others have a transcription. Go to the show notes description to find out more. This was produced in Sydney, Australia, and I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land. I pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and future. I recognize their continuing connection to the land, waters, and culture. These lands were stolen and sovereignty was never ceded. If you like this episode, again, we'd highly appreciate it if you go on whatever app you listen to and make sure to follow D-Lit Creates Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Acast, and a bunch of others. And if you're feeling real loose, a rating, review, or share of this episode to anyone you know that would be into something like this would be amazing. The more people that hear about us, the doper stuff we can do to then help other people. And if that virtuous cycle continues forever, we would always be grateful to you. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions for the episode of Hell, you want to be on the show, hit us up. The best way is to email talk at delaycreates.com. We're also on the socials, mainly Instagram at delaycreates, or you can hit us up wherever you can find us. Last, this episode of music were created and produced by Podpaste and myself. So if you like any of the music, you can add it to your device playlist by going to delaycreates.com forward slash music. Don't worry if you didn't get all that. There's a link in the show notes description. Thank you again so much for listening. Peace.